Welcome to the BCP podcast, the unfiltered edition. Check out the merch down below. It helps the channel. I guess we're doing our own mug club. If you're right-handed, when you are drinking from the mug, everyone will see the BCP podcast. Never done. It's very strange to do, I should say, product placement when the product is myself. Why do I say that? Because if you're right-handed, as the rest of the world sees the BCP podcast logo, you will be seeing my mug on the mug, essentially giving me a kiss on the forehead. Now, if you're left-handed, you'll be looking at the logo of the show while you let everybody else know that you are a supporter of this program. Big hug to all of y'all. Yesterday, Wednesday, was a travel day for me. Uh, and I am back in California. We'll be here, I will be here for about a month before I go back home to Utah. So there was no episode yesterday. Don't generally get um, fatigued. I don't generally get on a short flight like that. Do I get fatigued? We just had a lot going on. And there will be another episode on Saturday. So we missed Wednesday, but there will be a bonus episode on Saturday. We appreciate your support. Let's get right into this, folks. Let's get right into this. Joe Biden. Joe Biden left the White House yesterday for a trip uh, to Japan. The reporters had questions, and like usual, Biden uh, had nothing to say. He just jogged across the lawn to Marine One. He he waved at the reporters, but he essentially was running away from them, not wanting to answer any questions. When he arrived on Thursday to Japan... He, uh, he had a bit of a contest, a contest in which he lost, and that contest was with an umbrella. So for those listening to this, here is the most unexciting play-by-play. Joe Biden comes off of the plane. It's raining. He can't open his umbrella. Shakes the hand of the diplomatic, Jap- uh, Japanese diplomat, has his umbrella under his left arm, and it's just raining on him. And eventually, he someone covers uh, his, puts an umbrella over him, and finally he somehow figures out hope how to open the umbrella. Leader of the free world, my Heine. Now, of course, all this would be humorous and funny if it weren't for the fact that This is a president of the United States of America that is in the Oval Office because of a stolen election. He was not duly elected by the people. 2020 was rigged and stolen. And this is what we get. This is who they put in in favor of the rigging instead of the best president of our lifetime, bar none, Donald John Trump. Can't even open up a damn umbrella. Well, yesterday, President Biden awarded Americans the Medal of Valor. It's the highest award that a can be bestowed on a public safety officer. And the mother of New York Police Department officer Gilbert Mora, who was mur- murdered with his partner on January 21st, 2022, doesn't appear very happy with Joe Biden when receiving the Medal of Valor that she received on behalf of her son. 
As Mischief puts it here, could it be the anti-cop rhetoric Biden and his administration have been spewing, pushing, and what have you? Check out this viral clip. She looks at Joe Biden as she's receiving the award and immediately as he turns away from her, she gives a fake smile, looks down, looks at the person next to her, rolls her eyes, then uh, doesn't even look at Biden, looks away like she doesn't even want to be there. Well, let's lighten the mood a little bit, folks. I saw that David Harris Jr., fellow black conservative, and he is a big guy. Like, I'm 5'3", 5'4", on a good day. He is a big guy. Uh, I met him at the inaugural Blexit uh, event that was held by Candace Owens several years ago. I think I think Blexit is now dead. It was uh, a form of like walk away. It was the black and Latino exit from the Democrat Party. But he put this up, folks. Uh, I think this is pretty funny. Oh, thank you, Mr. Prick. Ooh, ooh, uh, oh, what is that? Oh, good Lord, what is that smell? Oh, man, oh, I think he crapped his pants. Get me out of here. Thank you, Mr. Harris Jr. for some levity there. And maybe this isn't a joke. Maybe she really was doing that stank face, not just because she found Joe Biden disgusting, his position on cops disgusting, but maybe she was actually disgusted in that moment because he really did poop in his depends. Now, I personally am always disgusted by the fake President Joe Biden. And we've got breaking news today with Marjorie Taylor Greene officially unveiling articles of impeachment against Joe Biden. It is with the highest amount of solemnity that I announce my intention to introduce articles of impeachment today on the head of this America at Last executive branch that has been working since January 20th, 2021, to systematically destroy this country. The President of the United States, Joseph Robinette Biden. Joe Biden has deliberately compromised our national security by refusing to enforce immigration laws and secure our border, allowed approximately 6 million illegals from over 170 countries to invade our country deprive Border Patrol of the necessary resources and policies sufficient to protect our country. And his administration has willfully refused to maintain operational control as required by the law. He has allowed fentanyl, the number one killer of Americans between the age of 18 and 45, to overwhelmingly flood into our country and kill around 300 Americans every single day. These aren't just Americans, these are people's family members. These are their sons, their daughters, their brothers, their sisters, their mothers, their fathers, their cousins, aunts and uncles. These are American families. His administration has lost complete contact with approximately 85,000 unaccompanied illegal alien children and his policies have forced tens of thousands of illegal children into slave labor. Where are these kids? No one even knows. It's, hor- it's horrible. The Democratic Party was, is, and probably always will be the party of slavery in America. 
Anyhow, let me play you the conclusion of her announcing today these filings of articles of impeachment against Joe Biden. Joe Biden has reinstated catastrophic and disastrous catch and release policies which have allowed illegals to flood to flood our country and our communities. He ended remain in Mexico and reinstated catch and release under Biden's command the Secretary of Homeland Security has illegally granted mass parole to aliens when US federal law only permits parole to be granted on a specific case by case basis. He endangered the lives of Americans by allowing illegal aliens who had tested positive for COVID-19 to enter our country and infect American citizens, yet while enforcing strict COVID policies on American citizens. His policies, directives, and statements surrounding the southern border have violated our laws and destroyed our country. Biden has blatantly violated his constitutional duty and he is a direct threat to our national security. Therefore, Joseph Robinette Biden is unfit to serve as the President of the United States and must be impeached. Out in the real world, where American taxpayers live, employees are fired when they are corrupt or aren't adequately serving their employer or purposely destroying a country, a company. In this case, the employer is the American people because they pay the salaries. They pay the salaries of everyone in the federal government. The Constitution outlines a very simple process to fire the corrupt officials serving in the federal government, impeachment. Matthew Graves, Christopher Wray, Merrick Garland, Alejandro Mayorkas, and Joe Biden are all corrupt and unfit to hold office and they all must be impeached. This concludes impeachment week. And the great thing about this announcement today by Marjorie Taylor Greene is that, as you heard there, the impeachment articles aren't just against the fake president, Joseph Biden, but also his Attorney General Merrick Garland, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, and FBI Director Christopher Wray, who unfortunately was put into that position by President Trump under the horrible advice of one former governor to New Jersey, Chris Christie. Now, we kind of knew this was coming, but let me show you what happened yesterday uh, evening on the steps of the Capitol. This is pretty interesting. This is what happened with George Santos, who was having a presser, and he was being harassed and harangued by the likes of AOC and others. I can't continue to address you guys because there's a deranged member here, so I'm going to watch. Now, of course, if you're not aware, you'd be asking why is George Santos or why was he yesterday holding a press briefing? That's because he escaped for now getting uh, axed by Congress. Because, of course, the Democrats want to get rid of anybody and everybody that isn't part of their cabal. And they have forgotten something very, very simple. A simple legal tradition. A simple tradition when it comes to innocence and guilt that we have here in America. See if you can't, uh, see if you can't catch this. 
We turn now to a key vote on Capitol Hill embattled Republican Congressman George Santos avoiding expulsion from Congress, at least for now. NBC's Ryan Nobles joins us with the latest on this. So, Ryan, walk us through what exactly happened with this vote and where things may go from here. Yes, Savannah, good morning. House Republicans turning back an effort to expel Santos immediately and instead voted to refer the matter to the House Ethics Committee, which had already announced an investigation into Santos. Now, their investigation was launched before Santos was indicted by the Department of Justice. Now, Democrats felt that that indictment was enough and that it was time for Santos to go. But the Ethics Committee has been looking into Santos since March. That includes his past business practices, campaign finance expenditures, and an allegation of sexual misconduct, all of which Santos has denied. Now, the federal charges against him include wire fraud and theft of public funds. I'm sure you caught that. Democrats forget that there's something called innocent until proven guilty. They wanted to oust George Santos just on indictments alone without him actually going to trial. Now, of course, as I covered last week, isn't it amazingly how fast it went after George Santos, yet we're still waiting for anything to happen to Hunter Biden, who we know lied in getting a gun, who is on video with prostitutes and doing drugs. And now we have even more evidence, more proof, really, more smoking guns of Joe Biden and his selling out of America as vice president to the interests of foreign nationals as he got paid for it. An absolute act of treason that deserves a treason's reward. Outside the Capitol yesterday, Santos reiterated his innocence and vowed to defend himself. In this country, everybody is innocent until proven guilty. I look forward to seeing the process play out. And if the ethics committee finds a reason to remove me, that is the process. Anyhow, that's what happened to him yesterday, and that's why he was having the presser. And he was being harassed and harangued by two members of the opposing party, Representative Bowman and Low IQ AOC, who has tons of issues with her campaign finances. But of course, she's a Democrat. And she just got a pass, and it, it never really was investigated. I can't continue to address you guys because there's a deranged member here, so I'm going to walk. You got to resign. You got to resign. What do you have to say to those Save members? yourself. Like I said, if, if, I could, if I could understand you over my colleague screaming here, the reality New is... New needs better. Gotta go, man. Come on. Son. How's your ethics? How's Come your ethics on, play going? Son, aren't you aren't you in ethics too, AOC? <laughs> Come on. Look, I can't I can't continue to address you guys because there's a deranged member here. So Wow. Uh, it didn't end there, by the way. After Santos left, Congressman Bowman and Georgia Republican Marjorie Taylor Greene went head to head. You gotta kick him out! You gotta kick him out! The party has to kick him out! Isn't that rich? But isn't that just like a Democrat? Telling someone else what they should do, what's in their best interest. As if a Democrat has the Republican Party's best interest at heart and is a reliable source of what the Republican Party should do to save their own party. And as MTG points out, in the meantime, ignoring the big threat, the big problem, not just to a party, but to the country as a whole. And that, of course, are the bad policies of the fake president in the Oval Office, Joe Biden, who is not just destroying his party, the Democrat Party, but America, and arguably the world.
And I was in that scrum yesterday. It got a little chaotic. The vote also led to this heated moment in front of the Capitol with Democratic Representative Jamal Bauman shouting at Santos that he needed to resign, and then a tense exchange with Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. This is yesterday. She starts chanting impeach Biden, impeach Biden, which, of course, as we covered earlier, were, was what uh, she did today in introducing those articles of impeachment. And what is Bauman saying? He says, no more QAnon, right? So he's trying to take a dig at MTG, but she just rolls with it. Of course, Democrats love silencing other people's free speech. No more debt ceiling nonsense. Come on no now, save no the party. No, we gotta save, save America, the save the Biden. children. Save the country. Do something about guns. Right, so close Come the border. On. Close the border. As soon as MTG mentions the border, uh, he completely becomes unhinged. And of course, let's not forget everything. Even though the border was secured under Trump, everything happening right now is Trump's fault. That is, of course, the default excuse for all the failures of the Biden administration when it comes to immigration. A very weird and wrong stance to take. But of course, these are sons and daughters of liars. They just spew lies over and over again hoping that the repeating of those lies by themselves and their lapdog media will, and unfortunately it does often, result in people just believing those lies because they just keep hearing them over and over again. So don't forget, immigration problems at the border are all Trump's fault. The, the border is the border what about is what the children? Hey, what where are, are all the kids? About? Where are all the migrant what children? Kids? You guys We're have lost accepting them. them. We love no, them. You've lost we love them. the There's migrant children. Of what do you mean lost missing? them? You can't find them. What, what That's you your administration. Yeah, migrant children are missing. You don't know the news. No, no, we don't know the news. Oh, you sadly missing. Hey, let me tell you something, Jamal. Not very smart. You should pay attention. Save the party. MTG telling Jamal Bowman, not very smart. He didn't even know, doesn't even know about the news about the missing children. Embarrassing. As a black American who is not in politics, that is a very embarrassing black man who is arguing a point that he's not even aware of the current events about that point. AOC saying, uh, just give up. MTG obviously winning that. Not very smart, Jamal. Not very smart. Not very smart indeed. Hey, let me tell you Listen, something, Jamal. You not very the party. smart. Save the party. And the crooked AOC telling Jamal Bauman that she isn't worth it, bro. She isn't worth it. That is the best you can do, New York. Bowman and AOC. I'm sure they've been rigging your elections uh, in New York for a long time as well. Okay, now, after the articles of impeachment were introduced, Marjorie Taylor Greene took questions, and this came up. Uh, she addressed this little uh, tiff, little back and forth that she had with Bowman yesterday on the steps of the Capitol after George Santos just gave up trying to speak to the press because the same unhinged Bowman wouldn't let him speak to the press. Remember, Democrats want to either shut you up or drown you out. 
had to have so much security. There was not enough. I was swarmed. It's all on video. Everyone can see this. But I will tell you what's on video is Jamal Bowman shouting at the top of his lungs, cursing, calling me a horrible, calling me a white supremacist, which I take great offense to. That is like calling a person of color the N-word, which should never happen. Calling me a white supremacist is equal to that, and that is wrong. It is wrong. But calling someone a white supremacist, I'm sorry, doesn't have the same gravitas and weight as the ninja word. That's just my opinion. Jamal Bowman was down there cursing at me, telling me to get the F out of there. And he was leading the mob right outside the vehicle I was sitting in. We have this all on video. And then at, on the Capitol steps yesterday, he was the one that approached me. Even CNN reported that. Yelling, shouting, raising his voice. He has aggressive, uh, his physical mannerisms are aggressive. And he just recently uh, shoved Thomas Massey um, at just outside the House chamber. I think there's a lot of concern about Jamal Bowman. So, and, and I am concerned about it. I feel threatened by him. Um, he not only led a mob, mob there, but his boisterous lies. And I'll tell you another thing he said outside there. He was saying, save your party. I kept telling him, no, save the country. It's not about political parties. We shouldn't care about political parties. We should care about the country because no matter what our political beliefs are, Jamal Bowman, I don't know what his political beliefs are. I know what mine are, but we both we both swore an oath to serve the country here in Congress as representatives. So I, I am very concerned about Jamal Bowman, and he's someone that people should watch. Now, until I saw the press conference and heard this, I wasn't aware that there was these multiple incidents with uh, Jamal Bowman pushing Massey, being aggressive with her in another time when she was in her car or what have you. But guess what, folks? This is the M.O. of the Marxists, of these treasonous traitors, rat bastards. They try to shut you up, drown you out, or they get violent with you. Case in point, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, enough said. By the way, folks, uh, please, please do me a favor and share this program with others. Obviously, this is a subscriber-only show, but sit down and show a few moments of this uh, with folks. Or, as you may know, what I'm doing is on Rumble. Uh, obviously, you are paying as a subscriber for this show. But I put little snippets of it on Rumble so people can know that even though they don't see me on YouTube, I'm still around and that this is where my full show is. For instance, the other episode was like – a few episodes ago was like an hour long and I put like 15 or 20 minutes snippets of it uh, on Rumble. So I do want to address this for anyone that has any concerns. I'm not going to put this full show on Rumble. That is not fair to you who are parting with your hard-earned money to support me and this program. Rumble now serves as a big funnel to let people know where I am and where I'm at. So they'll get snippets. They'll get what I call a Rumble edit of a few minutes. But you will always get the full show. And we appreciate your support with much thanks. And if you want to, grab a mug with my mug on it. Okay, let's continue with uh, with the news here. Sources tell CBS News that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has made his plans for 2024. What do you think he's decided? Ed O'Keefe is with us from Washington. Ed, good morning. This is a surprise, I would say, to no one, but what are you hearing? 
Well, Gail, good morning. Two sources close to Governor DeSantis tell CBS News his official filing as a candidate is now set to come next week. The decision to file the paperwork is set to coincide with plans to meet with some of the governor's longtime donors at a hotel in Miami. They're expected to be briefed on plans for the forthcoming campaign and requests that they start help raising big money for the bid. All right, let's talk about that money and those donors. Let's turn over to this article by Fox News. Uh, a few hours ago this morning. After months of buildup and speculation, Ron DeSantis is expected to officially enter the race next week. The This was uh, uh, originally uh, first reported by the Wall Street Journal and both CBS News and Fox News with their sources have confirmed this. The filing will con uh, coincide with his meeting next week in Miami, Florida with top financial backers. By law, DeSantis cannot receive or ask for contributions for a presidential campaign unless he has formally declared his candidacy. By filing with the FEC, DeSantis would be free to solicit donations from donors at the gathering in Miami, which would set in motion a likely fundraising blitz. Now, here's some uh, interesting things having to do with his money so far. Uh, he set a gubernatorial fundraising record, record last cycle. He had $110 million cash on hand in his fundraising committees at the start, but uh, that can't be used for, not all of that can be used for his presidential bid. So one of the things that he is going to have to do is transfer some of that money to political action committees of his friends that can help him. But of course, uh, we'll be seeing a lot of this movement of money once he officially declares his candidacy. Now, I've seen some news out there that he has more money than President Trump. Two things to consider. One, DeSantis apparently is being backed by Rhinos Republicans and the establishment. President Trump, and I love this number, is that most of his supporters are onesies and twosies, small amounts by lots of people that want to contribute to him. He truly is a populist president and not a president of the establishment. And also, looking at these latest numbers, this yesterday from Interactive Polls, 2024 GOP primary, Trump holds a 45-point lead over DeSantis. 62% to DeSantis's 17%. Now, who knows where DeSantis's numbers will go when he actually declares, but safe to say, no matter who you speak to, President Trump is the front runner. Okay, I'm looking here as I'm reporting on this about uh, DeSantis, and we're going to get into stolen election news here in just a moment because we're talking about elections, but I want to bring you a an update on Jamal Bowman of New York and what Marjorie Taylor Greene just said of, a few hours ago in her press briefing. Uh Earlier Thursday, Green said at a Capitol Hill press conference that she felt threatened by Bowman after repeated incidents, including one on the Capitol steps Wednesday and last month in Manhattan. And this is what Congressman Jamal Bowman uh, tweeted out. Black men continue to be characterized as aggressive and threatening when we are passionate and outspoken. They're not just dog whistles. They're all using bullhorns. It's dangerous, but we must all continue to speak truth to power. Yep. Playing the race card.
This is what he said. Majority Taylor Green in her press conference this morning said something incredibly dangerous and incredibly reckless about me, talking about my demeanor as being aggressive and saying that she feels intimidated by me. Unfortunately, this country has a history of characterizing black men who are outspoken, who stand their ground, and who push back as being threatening or intimidating. So she's not even using a dog whistle. Now, as I stated, honestly, a few moments ago, I wasn't aware of the New York incident they had a few weeks ago. But in observing the back and forth that she had, Marty Green had with uh, Representative Bowman on the steps of the Capitol... I just think he's a blowhard. I didn't find him threatening. I just found him to be like most Democrats, just loud and obnoxious and rude, but not physically threatening. But Bowman takes this thing to a whole other level. Look, let's be honest. I'm a black man. Luckily, I think it's a blessing. I think it's a blessing that God made me a black American with a powerful voice in a small package because I come off physically non-threatening. I mean, if, if you've met me personally, you... Uh, a lot of people are like, oh, wow, yeah, you really are a a, a a short guy, a tiny guy or whatever. And it makes me kind of a teddy bear because, you know, I'm being Latino. I'm, I'm a hugger and a kisser and I just love everybody and would just love to hug all my friends. I mean, if I, I, I literally wish I could hug everyone that is a member of the BCP family. At, a, at one hug a second, that would take a long time. I'd almost need a, an alternate life to be able to do that, I hope. I don't know how many supporters I have out there, but... 650,000 plus that I know of on YouTube to begin with. That's quite a few seconds. But see, then Bowman does something ridiculous. Not as he just played the race card on this. He then makes it about MAGA. Showing once again the hypocrisy of the left. You can't draw them with broad strokes. You know, black men, Latinos, gays, transgenders or whatever. But when it comes to MAGA, you can make all the generalizations that you want. Freaking hypocrites. She's using a bullhorn to put a target on my back to the people that she refers to as MAGA people out there who might want to cause harm. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but it's freaking ridiculous. Freaking ridiculous. Black men are dangerous. That's a that's a bullhorn. That's a dog whistle for racists. But MAGA people, they're dangerous. They're the dangerous ones. All MAGA people, Ma- the, the MAGA people has people among them that are dangerous and want, want, might want to do me harm. That's okay to say. But to say that there might be some black people that are aggressive, that's just wrong. Absolute ridiculousness. Bauman doesn't just stop there, though. No, no, no. Now he is being set up to be the biggest black martyr. Talk about self-promotion. This is the same reason why Mike Brown was killed. This is one of the reasons why Emmett Till was killed. And throughout history, black men have continued to be characterized as aggressive because, one, because of our skin color, but, two, because we happen to be outspoken and passionate about certain issues. Because you think what you said was racist? It's reckless and dangerous, what she said, okay? Unfortunately... The truth is, and it hurts me to tell you this because I'm a black male in America, there are a lot of violent (laughs) black males, unfortunately. It has to do with the inner city culture, the gang culture, the thug culture, unfortunately, that is prevalent uh, among black youth and black males. It's I know I'm airing out laundry here from our black community, but if we don't address the truth, then we can't actually ever solve a problem if we ignore it and pretend it doesn't exist. 
But I'm going to have to agree with Representative Bowman here that, you know, when it comes to his interaction with Marjorie Taylor Greene yesterday, I think she mischaracterized it. Characterizing me in my interaction with her yesterday, I never invaded her personal space. I was laughing and gregarious the entire time. How was that intimidating? What was intimidating about that? So she goes to the press conference today and say that she's intimidated by me and my mannerisms are aggressive. Anyone who's, in, who's interacted with me, anyone who knows me, even reporters here, know I'm, I'm middle school principal and I'm always loving and engaging and friendly, except when kids are being killed in our streets. Everyone should be outraged about that. So do not conflate what my engagement with Representative Massey with my engagement with her yesterday. It was completely different. But she knows what she's doing when she does that. And unfortunately, white supremacists historically, this is what they do. They try to dehumanize black people, black skin, and the black humanity so that they can be, you know, more likely to be targeted for harm. So I just wanted to address that. And I was surprised that no one asked me about this when y'all first came to me with the media scrum. No one asked me directly about my reaction to her press conference. Framed it in all these other ways. And then went to Massey. That was three weeks ago, a month ago. We're talking about what happened yesterday and what happened this morning. And what she did was dangerous and reckless. I just wanted to say that to y'all for the record. All right, folks, what are your thoughts? Put it down below. Once again, I am basing, I agree with Bowman in that his nature was mischaracterized from the back and forth they had on the Capitol steps uh, yesterday. But she did in her press conference, of course, come to this assessment because of what happened with Massey. I guess three weeks or a month ago, and then whatever happened in New York previously. So she's using all three of those experiences to come to her conclusion. In the halls of Congress, there were two congressmen, a Democrat, uh, Congressman Bowman of New York, and a Republican, um, Congressman Massey of Kentucky, and they, here they are, having it out. They have control of the House. The American people need to know that they don't have the courage to do anything to save the lives of children. More guns lead to more death. Look at the data. You're not looking at any data. You're carrying the water from the gun lobby. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Those damn children are dying. Nine-year-old children. If the solution is not arming teachers, let's go to work in the school. I was a teacher, I was a school counselor, I was a middle school principal, I was in cafeterias protecting kids every day of my career. There's never been a shooting. Never been a a shooting. It's time, look, we've got guns here to protect us, and he doesn't believe the kids should have somebody to protect them. All right, so I just showed that clip to you. That's what happened uh, more than three weeks ago, by the way. Representative Bowman, that was over a month ago. It looks like that happened March 30th of this year. And uh, for those of you listening and not watching this, Massey, they're, they're having this discussion, heated discussion. And then Massey starts to talk to some cameras about his position. And Jamal Bowman literally just steps right in front of him very aggressively to talk to the cameras didn't look like Massey was threat physically threatened by that. It was just rude. You know, like when someone cuts in line in front of you, I wouldn't say that's assault. I would just say that's just damn rude. And that's what we saw here. Now, so that you can come to a proper opinion, let me just show you what happened in New York um, previously. 
Marjorie Taylor Greene was there. Bowman was there yelling at her and telling the police to get her out as she was getting into her, uh, looks like an SUV with security detail and police protection. The crime should be held accountable. Congresswoman. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry. Nick, you know. Now let's talk about the truth. Now let's talk about the truth. Get out of here. 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 Now let's talk about the truth. The crime should be held accountable. Congresswoman. Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. What inspired that today? Jamal Bowman. What inspired that today, Congressman? I was born and raised in New York City. This is the city that I love. It's a city focused on hard work and love for all people. In my opinion, what happened in New York was the most aggressive of it because when Marcella Green showed up, she had a whole bunch of crowd, a crowd of people pretty much, you know, trying her, to shut her down. And then to have a congressman tell another congressman, get out of here. She doesn't have the right to protest. I would say this is aggressive, the most aggressive of all of them. And I could see why Marjorie Green might feel a little bit threatened there, not just by Bowman, but actually not so much by Bowman, but by because of the large crowd that was there in protest against her. Again, now that you've seen the three incidences or heard the three incidences and my description of what happened, give me your opinion down below. All right, so that was not a new story that I had planned originally cover as far as uh, Bowman and those other two incidents. Uh, but because this is a breaking news story or developing news story as I'm reporting this in real time, I wanted to bring you the latest. Okay, now let's get back to what I wanted to talk about. Uh, let's go over to Maricopa County. Let me give you what you need to know as far as coverage on what's going on there with the trial. And we are seeing footage after footage that Maricopa County's fraudulent signature verification wasn't working. Uh, workers were verifying thousands of signatures in less than uh, a second or less than three seconds on average per signature. It's, it's not really a, a hard and fast science. Okay, let's get into the latest update on what's going on in Maricopa County. Kudos to the great investigative reporter on the ground in Arizona having to do with all things Maricopa County and Arizona election fraud, Jordan uh, Condrenson over at the Gateway Pundit. A new video reveals the truth about Maricopa County's fraudulent signature verification by showing a signature verification worker approving mail-in ballot signatures in less than two seconds each. The employee does not even appear to be looking at the signatures, but instead clicking the mouse and accepting them at a rapid speed of close to one second each. This one individual verified almost 27,000 signatures in total. According to data from the county, nearly 240,000 ballots were signature verified in less than three seconds each. Wow. Wow. Let me uh, show you uh, this video. That's a 90 second uh, signature verification process where you're going to see one person on the left verifying signatures about as fast as they can load. Compare that to the person to their right sitting next to them who is taking their time and more methodically actually verifying the signatures. Now, folks, let's not forget this number. 
80% of Arizona voters use mail-in ballots that require, require signature verification. And this is just one of many workers that supposedly verified hundreds of thousands of signatures in less than three seconds each. Again, this one individual here who has been blurred out is being reported as having verified almost 27,000 signatures in total, just that one person. Signatures did not match in 2020, and that's the, the type of challenge that they're bringing here. Uh, that again, Your Honor, means they're, they're shifting back to, they're making challenges to signature determinations. And as we said in our papers, that's a very subjective process. Um, two people might look at a signature and one might say, I think that's consistent. And another might say, no, that's inconsistent. And there's no bright line. Two hours later. Rule in the law that says when a signature is or is not consistent. Uh, this is something of an art in election uh, verification work. It's, it's not really a, a hard and fast science. Now, We the People Arizona Alliance, a couple weeks ago, tweeted this out. An example, a whole bunch of examples of signatures. Signatures egregiously different. These signatures fail multiple points and cannot pass. Would you have passed these signatures? Now, it's going to be tough for you guys listening to this, but believe me, when we are looking at different, egregiously different signatures, they don't look anything alike. I mean, from the, you know, just the first letter and just a squiggle line across to signatures that are obviously very, very different. New tonight, Carrie Lake was back in court today, still trying to prove that she didn't lose the race for governor six months ago. Now, I don't want to be a negative Nancy. I don't think Carrie Lake is going to prevail here because there's been nothing in the history that shows me as of late that anyone really wants to uh push back against the tide of the stolen elections. Tomorrow, there's two things I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about how the bar was is set high for Carrie in proving her case of fraud. And even though it's obvious and they've got the evidence, they've just raised the bar perhaps too high for her to prevail. I want to give that a little bit more discovery which uh, and time and analysis, which we'll do in tomorrow's episode. Also tomorrow, I plan on telling you about a dream, two dreams that I had this morning. Now, I don't usually talk about dreams. I'm not Joseph of the Old Testament, but I think you'll find these dreams very interesting. They're not prophetic, but they, I think they give you an insight into my mind, my opinion, and how things work. And they have to do with current events and legislation and things going on right now. Here's a hint. Uh, we touched on it briefly in this episode, but I will leave that for tomorrow. But folks, as Carrie Lake fights uh, to save her state of Arizona to be put in as the duly elected governor that she is, the gaslighting continues. Remember, the biggest sin and crime that I've committed that has got me deplatformed is to just simply say the truth, including that elections are stolen in the United States. The 2020 election, the biggest example the most recent big example, of course, being Maricopa County, Arizona, and the fraudulent win of one Katie Hobbs. Team Charles Bram Resnick has more on how Lake's case got off to a rocky start today with her own witnesses contradicting her claims.
How do you feel about your chances with this case? Well, I know that the truth is on our side. Carrie Lake entering a Mesa courthouse for her second trial since December. The Arizona Supreme Court dismissed most of Lake's original case, but gave new life to one of her seven claims. In order to win the case, Judge Peter Thompson requires Lake's lawyers to prove her final claim, that Maricopa County didn't verify signatures on mail-in ballots. So did you perform your obligation as a level, your duty as a level one signature verification to verify signatures? Yes, I did. But Lake's two whistleblower witnesses didn't verify her claim. You reviewed signatures at the general election, is that correct? Yes. No further questions, Your Honor. Lake lost the 2022 election to Democratic Governor Katie Hobbs by 17,000 votes. Lake has refused to concede. Lake's attorneys promise more evidence of alleged massive verification failures on day two of this three-day trial. In Phoenix, Bram Resnick, 12 News. You see, the lying media, local and national, with the lie, setting up the public to accept Katie Hobbs as a legitimate winner, even though she only won, supposedly, by 17,000 votes. And I just showed you images of votes that don't match and video from within Maricopa County with one person alone verifying signatures at a rate of a, thou- a, a second each one. And you can see on the screen, they didn't even scroll down toward the bottom to actually verify the signature. They just were approving them to the tune of 27,000. 10,000 more than the supposed margin of victory by Katie Hobbs. But we're the tinfoil hat, uh, hat wearing conspiracy theorists that just can't accept Katie Hobbs as the legitimate winner. BS, BS, and more BS. I'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for your support. And don't forget, a mug with my mug may just be something you want to add to your cupboard. The link's down below. Gotta give us what we want. Uh. Gotta give us what we need. Hey. Our freedom of speech.